but you know that's that's enough exo uh, hot takes for now so that was halo what's next king what is your game of the year i think i have an idea of what um, it is but just out of curiosity what is it i mean for most of the year most of the year i say for a month or two um i was probably gonna say metroid dread but um and walker came out i knew it <laughs> so uh, look it was really good better than Shadowbringers, even oh damn it was like it was such a satisfying end to what they were building up for a game that i first played this year so i played all of it basically <laughs> the entire final fantasy 14 uh, series he played this year yeah well not really a realm reborn i played a long time ago yeah. but i played most of it this year all right we're gonna talk about final fantasy 14 now, I guess. <laughs> oh um, yeah let's go so final fantasy 14 i use little known fact about me i used to play world of warcraft a lot actually um starting with wrath of the lich king into cataclysm then mists of pandaria and then i kind of stopped playing i played a bit of legion but Basically, I played for many years, um, played quite a bit of World of Warcraft with a lot of people. And so MMOs have kind of been in my DNA as a result of that. Like I played Wizard 101 a lot. Um, <laughs> I played... Hey, Docs, where are you at? <laughs> I played a lot of different MMOs. Um, but I kind of thought I was done with them. Like I would never get into one ever again because I was a kid when I was playing WoW. And then as I grew up, I just had less time for it. But 14 came up to me and was like, even though it took me several years, <laughs> eventually I, I finally understood. And now I play it like almost every day, just for a few hours at least. So how to, how to explain this? I, I think it's like Endwalker included in this. Cause that's like Endwalker is the game of the year. Cause it's the expansion, but like, 14 may as well just be the game of the year for me because it's the one I played the most. It's the one I jived with the most. It has a really, really good story with some really good characters. It takes a while to get going, though. It takes a long time. I'm past time. that part. Yeah. But once you do, you're in like... Because you spend so much time with these fuckers, you're in like a ride-or-die situation, or at least I am, where like it's just... Since it gets better as you go, it's like this crazy, almost Xenoblade-like story near the end of it that's like it, it hits all my boxes is basically what i'm saying along with it being a multiplayer game that you can just exist in with your friends yeah it's not like a you don't like queue up in a lobby you just you boot the game up and you go to a city and they're there so it's like you get that aspect of it and you can do the story with people you can do the dungeons and stuff with people or you can just go fuck off to the gold saucer. Which is what I do. you can just, like... Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's just this, like... It's not something I don't... I can't really, like, talk my ear off about it in the sense that, like, it's pretty, like... There's just a lot of stuff to do in it. And I think the thing that threads it together is the fact that it has such a good main storyline that you have to play. That... You can see the game improving as the expansions release and they, e they keep one-upping each other and then you get to this like insanely satisfying climax of the story that is just, it's so good. And I, I, I don't know, man. The fact that it's going to keep going with the same team of developers is like, a, it's crazy town. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to keep... <laughs> Like, I, it's the fact that this game is going to continue blows my mind a little bit. So, I don't know. It's, it's just a really fun game with a really good story that's also online. You can play that with your friends if you want. And it's just, I don't know, I got my MMO itch again. And I think it's like several degrees magnitude better than World of Warcraft ever was. Mm -hmm. So, I'll probably be playing this for a long ass time. Because I loved WoW. The reason I stopped playing, in part because I had less time, but also because the game kind of just was stagnant. It wasn't necessarily getting worse, but it wasn't getting better either. 
And then after I stopped playing, apparently it just got much worse. So like, I don't know. I don't, in retrospect, I don't think that game was anything like extraordinary. Whereas I think Final Fantasy XIV is a good single player RPG while also being a good MMO. So it's like fucking crack cocaine. Like if you get into this game, you will never stop playing it. It's like a, it's, it's kind of crazy that it exists, that it's like, it's, it's a single player game and an, a multiplayer game at the same time. I don't even know how to explain that to people, but basically is, and it's fucking awesome. And it's a really good, really well-written story. It's definitely my favorite Final Fantasy game. I don't think that's, I don't think 14, I will go on record saying, I don't think anything will beat 14 for me because of just everything that it has. So I don't think that's ever happening, but so people ask me what my favorite Final Fantasy is. I'm probably going to say 14. 14. And, and if you say that's cheating, if you say that's cheating, then fuck you. I think, no, I think uh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it technically is a Final Fantasy game with a number attached to it. So <laughs> yeah. So fuck up. But yeah, I don't actually have like a ton to say because it's kind of like I can't really go into specifics without just talking about what the story is, mm -hmm. which I don't feel like doing. So it's like the best example I have is like Xenoblade or like RPGs like it, where like you get a party of characters that go on an adventure throughout the world that kind of culminates and you fight God. That's not really a spoiler. So I know <laughs> so you, you always fight God. So it's like every other Final RPG. Fantasy game. So I know yeah, in Endwalker but, with some of these dungeons, you can actually get like the MP, like the actual like NPCs. Like, you can do that in Shadowbringers as well. I know what you're talking but about, but can you also do that with um, the other dungeons, like from Heavensward and stuff like that, or is it just those two expansions? No, but you can. Um, there's a mechanic for those dungeons called the Squadron, where you can get uh, if you rank up with your Grand Company enough. You're like city-state company. Then uh, you can get like adventurers that help you in the dungeons. Really? So you can do that without. So that's what that's yeah. for then. Okay. That takes a it takes a lot of work to set that one up. Whereas with the trust system in Shadowbringers and Endwalker, you literally can just with your party of scions, you can just enter the dungeon with them. So you can just <laughs> just right away. You can do dungeons with Yuragiri then. Uh, she was in Stormblood. So no. Oh, she doesn't do anything in the other expansions. Uh, not really. Oh no. Damn, that sucks. Okay. She's a big part of Stormblood, but yeah. It's mostly your main party. It's like your Final Fantasy party, the Scions, um, which become way fucking cooler than they used to be. Like they actually do feel like a Final Fantasy party. Mm. You mostly just roll with them as your NPC party members. Gotcha. Okay. Which is another part of the reason why it helps, especially later on, to feel like a single-player RPG. Because eventually you just have a, a full-on party working with you, you know? Like, it's kind of... I don't know. It's got really good music as well. That it so does. I, it's just kind of a game that, that I did not expect to ever get into, because it took me several years to get through A Realm Reborn and then Parts of Heavensward. Because I don't really think the game takes off, like, in a big way until you're in the patch quests of Heavensward. Which is controversial because a lot of people just consider Heavensward overall to be like Fagot. I think Heavensward's a little overrated, honestly, but that, I'm, that's an unpopular opinion. Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time getting through Heavensward. But it is a far sight better than Realm Reborn, I will agree with people there, because <laughs> Realm Reborn is... Dear Lord, yeah. that is an experience. <laughs> um, that I think, because like, you know, you're saying that like it's like a single player game... Uh, or single player RPG. I'm like, there, there's no way to get through a Realm Reborn without friends. It's just, it's, you, you yeah. just can't. It's so boring if you do it by yourself. Well, like, as Jeb can now attest, I mean, he's like, he's pretty much there, you know? He, he's, we beat the game together, mm -hmm. essentially. We did Endwalker because he caught up. And, uh, you know, he mostly agrees. I feel like I might like the game more overall, but. He also thinks it's pretty fucking sick what they've done with it. So, like, I don't know. I'm excited to get to that point, but it's just hard to find time. Yeah, it, it's a very, very long story. Yeah. But it's very, it just has such a satisfying, like, payoff. And then when you're done with the story, 
you just fuck around and like this is it's kind of crazy to me that this game has like the job system where like you can level up different jobs basically um but you got to grind them out a lot and the fact that i'm just willingly doing that <laughs> willingly essentially grinding it's just it's kind of telling i guess i'm really into it i don't know it's fucking awesome Fucking awesome. And it is probably my game of the year. And if 14 doesn't count as a game of the year, then Endwalker does because it's an expansion and it came out. And fuck you. And it's a full story. So yeah. uh, Endwalker's my game of the year. There you go. Hell yeah. All right. It's fucking awesome. I have, I have no context for this game, so... Exo, uh... let, let me just be the first man to say you would absolutely love Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> No. You would love it. You would not. I don't know who's lying to me. I think if you could boot... You could... No, 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 no. <laughs> you would hate it. No, you, you would, would love you it. Not get, you would love it. No. No. I know that Jeb no. said that. They're obviously memeing. There's no way you would even get five minutes into the game. <laughs> okay, so, so why would that be? <laughs> it's, it's got a... Oh. Mm. <laughs> um... I feel like in the beginning of the game, see, if you somehow got past A Realm Reborn, you you would might be able to get to the end of it, but the first part of the game is, like, really slow. There are basically no interesting characters in it, and you kind of just do fetch quests for people in the occasional dungeon. You fight a primal boss fight sometimes, but it's like 50 levels of, like, a bunch of boring ass inane RPG shit until you go to fight the Empire and then it's Meme City. But to be fair, at that point, it's like the most extravagant thing that you've ever done <laughs> in the game when you get to the end of the expansion. But compared to the stuff later expansions do, it's like fucking kiddie pool shit, the Praetorium and Gaius Praetorium. and all that shit. But fucking Praetorium. Yeah, you, you probably. It's just the fact that it's. I don't so, know. It's a, it's a bunch of fetch quests you do for a while with no interesting developments for a long time. I, I have heard that the game's original launch was pretty bad, and then they made it way better later. Mm. Well, Realm Reborn compared to yeah. 14 is like a godly video game because 14 like sucked ass. So in that sense, yeah, they did make it a lot better in a Realm Reborn. But is it is a realm reborn a good thing? Uh, no, nah, probably not. <laughs> but all right, I I think what Jeb t said to me is that like, oh my god, EXO, the way that you complain about UI and stuff, you would absolutely hate this. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you would you would have an aneurysm, I think. You would probably die. Because there's like, <laughs> there's a million HUD elements you can, you have control over. <laughs> you, yeah. You, well, I do have a death probably wish. probably shouldn't even, Maybe you probably shouldn't even boot it up because you would, uh. You would, <laughs> from you, moment, yeah. from frame one. <laughs> don't, you should not even turn the power switch on on your PC. Don't even here. look at it, XO. Okay, uh. So it's Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh what's what's yeah. next? Ryan? My game of the year. It's Metroid Dread. Okay. Wow. That was my game of the year before Endwalker. So And like I'm not even like a Metroid guy either, but I fucking loved Dread. Mm-hmm. What about you, XO? Yeah, I lo I love Dread. Well, uh, until a few days ago, I might have said it was my game of the year, too. Oh, shit. So you got a, a different one. It was, this is, like I said, this was a year that didn't really impress me. It was one of those uh -huh. years where, like, oh, that came out this year. It was one of those years. Um, so the fact that a new Metro game came out, a new 2D Metro game came out after, like, 20 years, you're going to bet your ass that that was, like, the one thing I picked up. Mm -hmm. Um. Where, where do we even start with this one? Um, I think, first of all, I want to say that Samus Returns was a mediocre game and Dread proved <laughs> that in spades. Yeah. 
and that's the most obvious thing that i got when i first started playing it it was like wow this is like many times better than samus returns like i I would defend samus returns because like i remember playing it and i remember liking it but i never finished it but like with dread i was glued to it exactly yeah samus returns is one of those games where like everybody i've ever met has never finished it Not everybody, obviously. I'm, I'm being it. facetious, but it is one of those games where it seems like people picked it up because they were excited to see Metroid come back after so long, and then they played it for a few hours and they just dropped out of it. It's one of those games. No, it's come on, EXO. It's fantastic. Dude, I... you have to. You just you have to understand this. All right. Okay, it's you have to understand what King K is alluding to is the fact that there is a faction of metroid fans that are very passionate yes that's probably a polite way to put it very i get the sense that they're passionate not necessarily about samus return specifically i mean they are but about metroid generally to the point where like because i made a video on all the metroid games and i pretty much had glowing praise for a lot of them i think like metroid one i bashed but People that be don't people don't have the energy to defend Metroid One as far from what I can tell. Forty year olds um, <laughs> who grew up with the NES will, but nobody else. But every other game, I was kind of like, you know, I had my qualms with some of them, but I was pretty much glowing praise the whole video. And then you get to Samus Returns, and I'm like, yeah, guys, this one ain't, you know, it's not doing it for me. It's kind of, uh, I just don't really like it too much. And then all of my, so many of my, that like 50% of my comment section is about how wrong I am about Samus Returns. And I'm like, really? You're going to go to bat for this fucking video game? Like, really? Uh, of all of the Metroid games. <laughs> is that what's going to happen? <laughs> but I just get the sense that it's like, if I had criticized any of them too harshly, that would have happened. Because That's like, true. Probably true. I don't know. Yeah. I, fi- I feel like. I think there was a thing. I, I never expected Metroid fans to behave like this, or at least this subset of them, because I didn't have a lot of experience. Like, I made the Prime videos, but I didn't have too many bad experiences back then. But then I covered Metroid, and it's just like... So, the analyzing Metroid video is all about my Samus Return stake being fucking awful, apparently. But then I did a Dread video, and I complained a bit about some of the story developments. And... 50% of that video is people explaining the lore of Metroid to me and I'm like <laughs> uh, I was a little guilty <laughs> of that so I will apologize how dare you well I don't I don't think you did it in a way that I'm talking about where like a lot of people took the genuine critiques that I had and responded with like no you well, just you know, don't, like you don't just don't understand yeah. what happened when that's not really my point anyway. I don't know. I've just had interesting... Met, the Metroid fan base is interesting, <laughs> at least the ones that found my video. I don't know. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Like, I, I am being kind of deliberately confrontational to Samus Returns stands, if we can call them that. But it is, like... I, I played the game, like, three times this year for the review that I still haven't had time to finish. And it was one of those things where playing it more made the game better. I appreciate it more now. I would... There are people who say that it's worse than the original, and I just like, fuck that. No, it's not. Um, but mm-hmm. it is no AM2R, and it never will be. And I don't care if it's a fan remake. Well, that's another thing. You can't bring up You're AM2R. You're not allowed to compare it with the fan people game. People had a problem so. with me putting AM... I did the analyzing Metroid, and people had a problem with me putting AM2R in it. And, like, I guess it's not, like, Nintendo-owned, but it's, like, community-wise, community, community wise, people kind of just consider it a Metroid remake, you know? Like, well, that, that game, it may as well in be. In a period where Nintendo refused to do anything with the IP, that game coming out was, was such a breath of fresh air. And I, I speak as someone who was actually following its development for years, and actually having yeah. it come out and be as good as it was was, like, one of the most memorable moments in gaming history for me, probably. So asking me not to consider it in a Metroid marathon is like... It's like people have forgotten. People have legitimately forgotten or just were not there when AM2R came out. Because I fucking remember when AM2R came out. It was a bad, bad time for Metroid. Like a really bad time. And then Samus Returns comes out and it's like people just have forgotten 
that AM2R even was a thing I, I, because they're like, oh, Samus Returns came out. Metroid's being, you know, Nintendo's giving us Metroid again. And it's like, okay. It, I, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth because I'm sure that they're like anything. It's more nuanced than this. I did kind of get the impression, yeah. at least for a while, that part of the reason people were would go up to bat for that game is because they wanted more Metroid games. Um, and I guess yeah. there's, there's this fallacy. Well, I understand that, I guess. Where, like, if, if you criticize something, yeah. that means that the person who made it won't want to make more, which I guess is kind of true for Sonic Team, but, you know, it's... For, for Metroid, I don't think Nintendo really cares because they're pretty tone-deaf when it comes to fan reactions. Like, <laughs> like, if they really gave a shit about what their fans were saying, then Origami King would have been an RPG, not the sticker star formula again yeah. well a variation of it an improvement of it but still it's like you're you're not allowed to have partners who are variations on a goomba like you're not you everything has to follow the model sheet like that kind of shit well, that's yeah that's i get that impression too that people just wanted you know which is to me was more understandable in 2017 yes but even now, when Dread was announced and is coming out, people are still going to bat. And I'm like, damn, like... <laughs> it, it probably is that people just legitimately love that game. Like... Well, like, that's fine. It's just, why do you kind of come after me well, for but it? Like Jesus of, of all the games <laughs> to get that passionate over, though, I don't... Like, it's not yeah. a horrible game or anything. I, I would say it's like a 7 out of 10 which will probably get me murdered. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like a I think it's like a six or a seven, probably. It's maybe in between. But me. it's like I don't think a it's follow a follow up game. to zero mission. It is one of the it is it does not Well the reason I was so negative on it in the video, I think people got the impression that I just hate it because I spoke in mostly negatives, but in the context of a video about how Metroid has evolved, Samus returns mostly devolves. You know, like it mostly does not evolve. So, like, I don't know. I think I just talked. I don't know. There's a lot of things that it did that kind of felt like a dip that Dread kind of tried to push back up. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and it just seems so clear I, I to me in playing Dread. Complaining if, about Seance Returns, but I, for me. Well, it's necessary context. Yeah, necessary I, about context. why Dread was so refreshing by comparison. Um, and so then you get to Dread and it's like, I've been wanting a sequel to Fusion for fucking years because the Fusion mm -hmm. has one of my favorite video game endings, honestly, like just the way it, that whole monologue about how this, the human soul will ever reach for the truth. And it's like, you, people may not understand what you did today, but you know, like it was something you had to do for the sake of the universe yeah. and the way that they left it to where. Samus could potentially become an enemy at the Federation. There, like, what, there were so many routes that they could have done after that. And the, the fact that Dredd actually had the balls to finally continue the story and not dredge up a Super Metroid remake again was, yeah. was very refreshing. Um, I remember too, like when leaks were coming out, they were getting a new 2D Metroid. I could have sworn, like, if you asked me back then, I would swear in my life that it would just be a remake of Super Metroid. I didn't think they would actually continue uh, or make uh, Metroid 5, but they did. I didn't think they would. I didn't think, first off, that they would make Metroid 5 and that it would be the dead concept that was on the DS, you know, mm. like, just kind of crazy, crazy, wacky way they did that. But yeah, it's much better than a super remake for me anyway. Yeah, that's like, I do think a super remake could be good, but not in the style of Samus Returns. Yeah. Well, I, I'm interested in a super remake, but I'd like some original games yes. first. Yeah. yeah <laughs> at this point, yes. It's especially, yeah, exactly at this point. So I think the first thing that this game does well is the controls are way better in Dread compared yeah. to Samus Returns. Yes. Like, Samus Returns felt so chuggy and unresponsive because of the 30 FPS. The, to date, the mm. only main series Metroid game did not be run in 60 FPS. So, so Dread runs at 60 FPS, controls are nice and responsive, everything feels right. They made the guard better, like you can do it while moving, and you can do it, I think you can yeah. do it midair in Samus Returns, but I don't remember. I also like 
how far zoomed out the camera yes. is. Mm-hmm. That does help too. That's the thing about Samus Returns that really aggravates me is it feels fucking claustrophobic and not in an intentional way, I don't think. I think it's like the camera's up her fucking ass in that game and I appreciate in Dread that it's zoomed out more to fit kind of like a... I guess kind of like AM2R was like that. Well, more proportional to what the 2D game... Well, I guess Super Metroid specifically. Yeah, been. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Level design, huge improvement. Uh, because like a lot of the problems with yeah. Sam's Returns were that... Because it had to... It was a Metroid 2 remake, so it had to be segmented and episodic like that game was and more linear in terms of the order you go to each place and the areas couldn't be interconnected. So like, they kind of did the best they could i guess but it's like the way that they structured zdr the way that the areas interconnect and that you have so many choices about how you want to get around then the fact that they actually brought back that sort of progression after so long is like fucking other m and prime 3 you basically just go where the game tells you to and you have no agency and there's like one good way to get everywhere like the good god and then samus returns obviously was a remake of the of the second game so it was kind of stuck that way so like to have it finally mm-hmm. go back to like metroid one sort of design where like in terms of interconnectivity was very appreciated uh yeah uh bosses uh the samus returns barely had any except for the metroids which were probably my favorite versions of the metroid fights all things considered there, I said something positive about Samus mm. Returns for once. But it was also one of those things where, like, they didn't have any regular bosses, even though AIM-2R did, so I don't know what the hell happened there. Like, they had one, they had the, the Digger Knot, and that was, and I guess, Secret Final, and Secret I, Final I, Boss. I don't like that boss either. Um, the, the Digger Knot, I think, is like prime bosses, but in the worst way. Like, it, it has one kind of problem the hell out of me. that... that kind of and mm. it's kind of like a first playthrough and first place to play through in a while kind of issue where like if the little things are spinning it hurts you which tricked me into thinking you couldn't spider ball up it even though it has like the metroid prime spider ball signifier and everything um so like it tricked me into thinking you couldn't damage it that way so like that kind of pissed me off but it's one of those bosses where on repeat playthroughs it's not nearly as bad but it it, it I just think the philosophy of it is not great compared to how the Metroid bosses that I like are the ones that are like, they're like fast and you can kind of damage them most of the time. Yeah. It's just about you avoid then damage, avoid then damage does, where the digger knots kind of like. It feels like a prime two boss where you have to remove its armor before you yeah. can actually hurt it. Which which is mm-hmm. a way you can design a boss. It's just the problem with Prime 2 is that every boss was yeah. like that. I guess in Metroid specifically, it just feels out of place. Mm-hmm. But I guess the point is that Dread for me didn't have bosses like that for me. Like, I really liked all the bosses, kind of, honestly. Yeah. I, I think that they work well for the game's increased focus on action stuff. Yeah. I think there's a natural kind of evolution there that I really like across, especially like when you fight the, the fucking final boss is crazy. Oh my Metroid god, that's, that boss kicked my ass like ten times in a row. Yeah, and then I <laughs> then I played it on hard mode, and it only took me three tries. So it's it's one of those games because that that was kind of a yeah. problem I had with Samus Returns and why I didn't replay it for so long is that Mercury Steam their their specialty is hard as nails action games. Uh, the Lords of Shadows mm-hmm. games were like that, and Samus Returns and Dread are like that. And I'm I haven't played Space Lords, but I imagine it's the same thing, maybe. Um, and yeah, and it's the um, like it it felt like the bosses in Samus Returns were too numerous and too challenging for the game to really be speed runnable. Uh, yeah, not so much when you've replayed the game enough to have mastered the controls, because that's kind of if I have one major criticism of Dread, it's the fact that the health system makes absolutely no sense for the kind of game they're making. If I'm getting hit by a boss mm. and I'm losing like four tanks, then I don't understand no. why we have like that numeric system where like you know the exact amount of energy out of a tank you have. It, it might as well just be that each tank is a hit point at that point. 
and even then it yeah. could because they're representing a continuous health bar with discrete units that's that's what i'm saying and it doesn't really make sense for that mm. for that type of action game or like you know um uh, but you know but it's like the bosses were engaging like you said you aren't waiting around to be able to damage them they're fast paced when you've played the game before and have some experience with them they're hard on a first playthrough but easy to speed run in a second which is pretty pretty good for as far as yeah and a few a few of them have like thing seek actual intended sequence breaks you do in them which are which was yeah which was pretty kind of crazy i did that for one of the bosses in my hard mode playthrough uh, and it was, it was pretty cool to see, like, especially cause like I knew that skip was there, but I didn't know exactly where it was. So like actually discovering how to do that, yeah. you get that power up early and then seeing that you could do that was pretty cool. But yeah, that's kind of stuff. That's like why I played it so many fucking times. Like did so many playthroughs of that game. Cause I, it's just fun to like learn ways to get around the world faster. Um, and cause I, I think Maybe my biggest problem with Dread is that the, for me at least, I don't know if I'm just too, I've played too much Metroid, but like, it felt, the way forward felt like extremely obvious to me at all times, which I felt was a bit <laughs> jarring and kind How of How did annoying. you feel about that, Ryan? How did I feel about what? The, the progression. Uh... I mean, like, there was, like, every once in a blue moon where I would get stuck. I mean, like, there was one part specifically early on. I think it's, like, when you get to the second area where it's, it's that's the one with, like, all the magma flow and everything like that. Like, what yeah. you're supposed to do is, like, as soon as you get off, as soon as you get off the elevator, you're supposed to turn left and shoot at the wall to, like, move forward. I didn't know that. So, like, I was stuck in this area for a while. Until one of our friends is telling me, hey, uh, just go, as soon as you get off, uh, shoot the wall to your left. I'm like, oh. I mean, because, like, aside from that, in, like, a few other moments that were like that, which, again, they were few and far between, I didn't really have any issues with progression. I thought it was, like, very, like, even though, like, the game isn't handholdy or anything like that, it's it's well-paced, and it kind of felt like as if... Like any direction that you took was the right direction, if that makes any sense. Uh, when well, I just that I don't know that really it, it kind of like as the game went on, I was I was literally I was just looking for one moment that that was kind of like Super Metroid, where I was like, okay, where do I go now? But it, it felt like every time you did something, they gave you a teleporter, and the teleporter took you where you needed to go. And then you kept going, and then you beat the game. I like. I know people have gotten lost. They told me they have. <laughs> critique. But like, I, I just for me, I just was never in a position where I was lost at all. I, uh, and I don't think that is possible for me on a first playthrough of Super Metroid to just not have gotten lost. So I don't know. There's just something fundamentally different there that I. I don't know. I get didn't enjoy as I can much. I guess on that, one that never bothered me. But go ahead, Ryan. No, I just, like I don't really mind not being able to get lost. But rather, like I think there's a difference between getting lost and getting stuck. You know what I mean? Yes. And there was never really a moment where I was stuck. And I think well, I, think I don't think there was thing. a moment where I was stuck or lost. Mm. Is the problem I was having? I don't, I don't necessarily want to be stuck. I want. I I guess maybe I do, but like. I just would have liked progression to be a little less obvious. I don't know if that's just a me thing, but I know a lot of people were the same way because I talked to a lot of people about it. And some people did get lost, but a lot of people I talked to also didn't. And I watched some videos about it, so I don't mm -hmm. know. It's interesting. Yeah. So, the, so a comment I would add on that point is, like Ryan, uh, I only ever got lost or stuck or whatever you want to call it. Uh, in scenarios where I didn't realize I was supposed to shoot something. Generally, I have a pretty yeah. good sixth sense yeah. for that at this point because I played these games over and over again. Um, so, like, I immediately knew when I saw the wall on the left, like, oh, I can shoot that and go through it. Duh. Uh, but there was one time when I tried to replay the game uh, between my normal and hard mode playthroughs where, like, after you kill the first Emmy, you're supposed to, like, shoot through the top of a wall on the upper right side of the Emmy area. And for some reason, I thought only one of them was breakable. So I kept running back and forth trying to figure out where I was supposed to go. Turns out I could just shoot that whole wall. Um, so I don't know what the hell my brain was doing there, but that was, that was the worst of it. Because, like, 
the way that the game is designed, like King K said, the golden path is pretty generally pretty good about leading you to teleporters that fast travel you to another area with the thing you need. Um, another thing that they do pretty frequently is as part of how you get into a certain room, you might have to like pull a block or fall through the ceiling through pit blocks or something. So they'll sort of like soft lock you into the correct area until you get what you need to leave. Uh, like there's a part in Gavoran, Gavoran, I don't know how, I don't remember how it's pronounced, where like you pull a block uh, and then, or shoot it with a super missile, I think, and then you can't go back down to the lower left area towards Berenia and stuff. Um, and they kind of sort of soft lock you there until you go to Elan, Elan and uh, the upper part of Ferenia. So uh, there's, there's a lot of that sort of design that's it probably intended to make sure that people don't get too lost. It makes you feel like you're more explorative while not feeling as linear as like a Samus Returns. Yeah. It feels a bit like for me, because I know a lot of people think that that's good design. So it's kind of a, you know. I'm not going to say that it, it, it like, I'm not going to tell people they're wrong. It's just for me, it felt a little, felt almost condescending and like it wasn't like, this is a minor critique in the grand scheme of things, but it, it felt a little, there's like this nagging thing in the back of my mind where I'm like, man, this is like, feels like a guided tour almost of this planet. Well, that was, it was just a little distracting as I was going every, through it. Every, well, we already talked about a game that has terrible player guidance, Kingdom Hearts 1. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, between the two of them, I'd prefer the... I'm not exactly looking... Yeah, I'm not exactly looking for stuff like that. It's more so like in Super Metroid when you get... So, like when you get the... I think the power bomb in that game, you have to go use it like in a pretty far like it's pretty far away from where you get it um at least where you're supposed to get it you can sequence break and shit but like on the intended path it's like pretty far away from where you would think to probably use it which to some might be weird design yeah it, it might seem like weird design to some but for me it was nice because i wasn't instantly teleported to that area so i i kind of had to think about where I could use yeah. the thing. And I got a lot less of that in Dread, which it kind of makes up for in its more being more of like an action game, which is why it doesn't bother me as much. But like if this game was not as action focused or as fast paced, I probably would hate it a lot more than it feels like a that it feels like the progression is so I don't know. It's a little too there's too much guidance, I guess. It, it, it's not like direct guidance. It's more like subtle stuff, but I don't know. It didn't end up bothering me much because the, the like speed run aspects and the like action focus and this, this fucking cavalcade of sequence breaks that are in the game intentionally just kind of blew my mind so much that I just kind of forgot about that complaint eventually. I was just kind of like, because it's you know it only applies to your first playthrough, so it's kind of like yeah, that's true. I um I kind of just for like eventually it stopped bothering me that much. Because yeah. I when I played it the second time, I went out of my way to look for sequence breaks because you kept tweeting about how you kept finding them and it sounded cool. Uh, but it yeah. seems like that's that's where the shit where they lock you, soft lock you in the area starts to get really irritating because i was trying to get yeah the early gravity suit and early screw attack and because i i thought i needed a certain thing from gavorin i got soft locked into having to go through Ferenia, so i couldn't fight the because i knew that you're supposed to be able to have the screw attack by the time you fight the storm missile beetle guy uh if you do yeah. the, the sequence break correctly and it's like I got I got fucked into getting locked into this one area and there was nothing I could do about it. I kept looking around. Yeah. I think my the thing about all this though is that I kind of understand why the game is built the way that it's built because I think that it's trying to have the best elements of fusion with the best elements of like Super Metroid maybe where like you have the big interconnected world but it's also able to execute story beats in kind of a linear fashion and have the world change as you play it like Fusion did. 
um, because it could account for where you were at any one time. I wish, I hope, if they were, I don't know. I, I think that the balance was a bit rough on the fusion side of things because uh, it locking you in places is kind of, for me, it worked in fusion because the game was just kind of linear. So it was like, okay. But in Dread, it's, it's like trying to be both. And I don't think it worked like perfectly. I think it worked for the most part for me. But in instances like that, where, because even I noticed when I was trying to sequence break, I would also just get locked in areas and be like, okay, well, I guess I'm not doing that anymore. And it was kind of frustrating to run into shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just, like, in terms of the progression, I did think it was interesting that they saved the morph ball and the bombs for so long. Yep. Because it, yeah. it's like... That was kind of cool, actually. Like, yeah. anybody who's played a Metroid randomizer knows that the bombs are one of the most important items you could possibly get. Because you can do IBJs and yeah. sideways bomb jumps and all this, all this shit. Um, and even just basic platforming and shafts. And if you don't have that, you're kind of boned. Um, so the fact that they actually kind of did something with that was kind of interesting. But it also sort of reveals a problem with later in the game. Where it's like, you get this bomb upgrade that does bombs in like a line. I, I don't remember what it's called. It's cross bomb. Cross bomb, yeah. Which is a really cool idea. Which would add like a lot of extra elements to the exploration and sequence breaks and stuff, but you unlock it so late. And I don't know if there's mm. a way to get it early that you know of. Yeah, there is. Okay. Well, it's the like... way in, intended progression, you get it pretty late, but actually, uh, you can. There is an intended sequence break. Pretty much every sequence break in the game that isn't a glitch is intended, by the way. Um, but uh, just so people know. Because, like, there are some glitches where you can, like, fall through the floor, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, there are legit things, like, you can infinite bomb jump up. Well, you can either infinite bomb jump up the shaft where you get the cross bombs, or you can shine spark up there. Either way, it works, basically. Um, but, yeah. Because I think you can get the cross bombs, like, near or under halfway through the playthrough. Whereas, in the regular playthrough, you get it, like two-thirds of the way through i think so yeah because it's like i i love the fact that they put so many intended sequence breaks in just for for jaded old metroid junkies like us <laughs> but yeah. i i do think the fact that i was deliberately scouring the map looking for opportunities and only found like one uh means that maybe it was a little because it's like when I was playing Metroid Zero Mission last year for the review, it was one of those things where I realized, wait a minute, I, since now that I found out about the shaft, can I fight Ridley early? And I could. And it felt so cool to figure that out. And most of the, most of the sequence breaks are like, if you're good enough with infinite bomb jumping, you can get this thing early or whatever. It, yeah. it, it just, maybe it's because that game is smaller and I know it better. Because, which is why... Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. Because I didn't find... I didn't have the same experience, really. Because I found a lot of them on my own. So, I, I found it pretty intuitive. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that... I guess it's... I, the, unfortunately, it's, that was not my experience. But it is one of those yeah. things where I've only played the game twice and you play it like 10 times. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's, well, that it's was a little different. It's kind of like with Zero Mission, I really appreciate all the sequence breaks. But my first several playthroughs of that, I just didn't notice a lot of things, you know. So, I don't know. Which is, which is why it's really hard for me to really rank where... Dread goes because it feels like a game I need to play 20 more times <laughs> over the course of 10 yeah. years to really have an, a, a strong opinion on its placement. I feel like yeah at the very least it's a pretty great Metroid game you know whether where like wherever I rank it it's pretty fucking good like it's, it, it's one of those yeah. that I'll play again you know. It is easily the best Metroid thing to be released since like 2004 yeah except for maybe AM2R yeah best official which is a game uh for me 
Yeah, like the best official uh, Metroid thing to be released sure, in 2004. Yes. Yeah. yeah, if you want to put it that, definitely. It is definitely the best official Metroid thing released since 2004. Wait, so you mean to tell least. me that you are not cool with Metroid Prime Federation Force? Yeah, <laughs> You know, it, I've already dug myself a hole with the Samus Return bashing today, you but I honestly grateful, enjoyed that game. XO. You need to be grateful that it's a Metroid game. They, they listen to you, XO. It's Metroid Prime. Federation Force. L listen, I I liked Federation Force. Okay, it's Metroid Prime. It, it didn't need <laughs> to be called Metroid Prime, and it's not really a Metroid Prime game. <laughs> and honestly, I don't. I, I really think that a discussion of the fucking continuity is is beyond the scope of this podcast. But it's still, it's one of those things where <clears throat> when I saw that the fucking ending gallery had an other M picture in it, but no Prime. Stit shit i was furious because <laughs> it's like but those are separate continuities or separate canons or they have sometimes they're part of the same continuity but sometimes they're not and nintendo keeps changing their mind about what it is and like at this point it's just like nobody liked other m sakamoto nobody liked other m nobody wants to see it in the ending gallery everybody liked prime more what's going on <laughs> yeah and it, other m added nothing to this arc anyway this saga this this five game saga it's not called metroid 3.5 it it added nothing to that story it was like this the story of that game is so inconsequential and could have happened at any time jeez <sighs> i don't even want to get into that but that that annoyed me that's probably the worst thing about the game. And if that's the worst thing I can say about Dread is that it brought up Other M again in any capacity, <laughs> then we're probably, it's probably pretty, it's probably like a solid 9 out of 10 experience that. So it, it was great. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. It is a good example of how we always say you have to critique the things you like for them to improve. And Dread is the poster child of that. Because if people like yeah. us had not criticized Samus Returns and said, hey, this needs to be in 60 FPS, the controls are chuggy, the level design is all over the place, the boss design is repetitive, there's just a little bit of that in Dread, but not as much. You know, it's like, if we hadn't said those things, then Dread wouldn't be as good as it is. Like, it is, it is one of the most improved sequels I've ever seen from a studio, ever. I hope it sells well. Because, like, I think right now it's only at, like, 800,000 units. Which isn't super great, but then again, it hasn't even been out for a year, so, like, that could change. Because, like, I mean, Metroid's never really sold super great, right? I think, like, the most it ever yeah, sold it's... was uh, Prime on the GameCube, and it was, like, two million units. Yeah. Yeah, I just hope that this, mm -hmm. like, enough people supported this, because, like, Metroid deserves a place. You know, it deserves... Absolutely. It deserves to be a flagship. Yeah. So go buy the game if you haven't already. It's good. <laughs> And I guess Prime 4 is a thing, but who knows how good that'll be. Yeah, you want to talk about, like... You want <laughs> if, if Prime 4 is as good... Okay. If Prime 4 is as good of a Prime game as Dread is a 2D Metroid game, then I'd be pretty happy. It's like, you want to talk about... I'm not going to get my hopes up. It's like with Halo Infinite, we were talking about, like, complicated and hellish development cycles. Let's talk about Prime 4 for a bit. Yeah. What the hell like has Retro Studios been doing for the past seven <laughs> years? Yeah, I don't I don't like I think whatever happened there just is not we'll never see the light of day. Like I'm sure it's wrapped up in NDAs and shit, but it's like you would have expected like at least one game of some kind to come out Wait this a minute. time. So it's like what if what if they were working on Golden Sun Jenny basketball? Exo, I'm so no, I sorry. I would hope a I would hope a game like that didn't take seven years. <laughs> because it's it's basketball and Cap Camelot shits out a new Mario sports game every couple of years or so, so I don't think it would take that long. Anyways. So that's uh, So that was Metroid. So I guess that means I'm next. Yeah. Well, my game of the year up and because it's like Metroid was Dread was like a game I legitimately enjoyed. Uh, it was hard to put down. It, it was great. But it was one of those things where I think my appreciation for it will only grow with time. And I can only appreciate it so much after only two playthroughs. So this is a game that clicked with me immediately. And that is Kaze and the Wild Masks for a variety of platforms. 
It is a traditional hop and bop side-scrolling platformer with pixel art graphics inspired by Donkey Kong Country. A little bit of Rayman in there too, maybe. Um, and I got it, picked it up on Steam for $15 because it was on a discount because of Christmas, the Christmas season. And so you guys know how on this podcast I have been complaining for years about what I call the Donkey Kong Country Returns model of 2D platformer, where like we talked about that ukulele and the impossible layer game a couple game of the year podcasts ago where it was like every level has to be 10 minutes long every level you have to play multiple times to find everything every level has to have like a time trial and it's like it seems like the levels are deliberately designed to make you play them 500 times uh when what was great about the original trilogy of dkc was how straightforward and easily routable everything was, which makes the game more replayable. Those games also had a certain pacing to them. Like, I think you reviewed DKC2 this year, King K, or maybe it was last year. Yeah, sometime. I don't remember, <laughs> honestly. And it's like, what makes that game so great is the pacing. Like, how relentless and breakneck it can be, especially once you've mastered the games. And the Retro Studios mm. Donkey Kong games just don't have that kind of pacing because you and have honestly, to check... like, Tropical Freeze, I'm sorry to say, it's just for me, comparing it to DKC 1, 2, and 3 is like, I just, I can't play Tropical Freeze. I don't know. It's, it's like very... It doesn't have the pacing, I guess. Like, what you, yeah, it doesn't really... Yeah, you know, and I, 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 I've been saying that kind of thing for years. I remember... <laughs> A few years ago, I think it was like back in 2014 or something like that when the game came out. Uh, I remember playing that game for a bit and I got to one of the bosses and it just would not fucking die. And it was, the, I think it was the first boss too, the seal. Yeah, Pompey. I guess. I think he takes like nine hits. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Something like that. Yeah. And it's like the, the, the boss, some of the bosses in the original trilogy could be a little shallow, especially in the first game. So, but yeah. it, it was still one of those things where it's like, did this need to take 10 minutes long? Uh, well, the bosses in those games didn't usually even take that long, even if they weren't great. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought the bosses in those games were fine. It's just more like when a level takes 10 minutes because I have to check every single wall to make sure there isn't an invisible area behind it. And, and when... The fact that they had to keep recycling the same five bonus rooms over and over again, and the fact that they only had Rambi in both games. Like, Tropical Freeze, the only thing it improves are the graphics in the soundtrack, and that's kind of it. Like, it has the same kind of level design, and almost nothing was improved. I guess they added uh, Dixie and Cranky, too, and Dixie was pretty good, but it's like, you know, it's like, where are the other animal buddies? Where are the unique bonus rooms? Where, where... Why do the levels have to be so long? And a lot of people will fight me on this, but it's like, so which is why it's great to know that you sort of understand the way I do, King K, because you're the first person I've mentioned who really seems no, to I get do. that. A Tropical Freeze was like, honestly, like, the, I wasn't a big fan of the DKC1 bonus rooms, but, you know, at least they were over in a second. And, like, they, they I don't know. It, it's like finding that shit in the trilogy was a lot more satisfying than in tropical freeze i just didn't really care and so it was like the strength of the level design that I had to fall back to and it's like it's all right i guess but it, there's none of the like it doesn't feel like it has the same momentum of like you can roll into enemies and fly around you know like it's kind of hard to explain how dkc controls but tropical freeze just didn't really f the fact yeah. that it's called donkey kong country feels weird to me because it doesn't really feel like one through three to me it feels kind of like i don't know it just doesn't <laughs> it's a hard thing to describe yeah. but yeah it doesn't and I, I i will be fair to those games and say that they are much better in an any percent run like they're yeah as, as a as side-scrolling platformers with kind of eventful level design where everything breaks apart and is modular and stuff they're really exciting if you play them any percent and just play the game uh the the 100% experience is where they completely fall apart and become a slog uh which is and it's like the original trilogy I can 100% them about as fast as I could play them normally 
Like it doesn't add, it doesn't make the game like three times longer like it does for Tropical Freeze. Um, and the levels are short and snacky and the pace is up there and like the camera's great. There, there aren't stuff hidden behind walls, invisible walls all the time. Like a, like a wall where you can go behind it and suddenly there's a little chamber that has a puzzle piece. Like there's so much of that kind of stuff. And Ukulele and the Impossible Layer, despite being developed by maybe even some of the people who made the original trilogy, felt more like the Retro Studios games. And I was complaining about it at the time because it just felt like the modern side scroller and then crash four which we didn't even talk about last year which has a great any percent is like the logical extreme of what dkc returns started in like 2011 or it's like now you need to play through each level twice except this time there's a filter over the graphics and there are three more gems to collect and it's just like and now you have to do the whole thing get all of the boxes and never get hit once actually 100% the levels and it's just like enough already <laughs> uh, you, I've always complained about 100% quests in video games but the fact that everybody was complaining about Crash 4 kind of says a lot so that so I, I say all of that to go to Kaze and say that Kaze and the Wild Masks nails the pacing that the original DKC games has had better than any other side scroll I've played in recent memory every level you can finish in roughly two minutes um, it's completely fair, but, you know, has a competent difficulty curve that accelerates as the game goes on. There are actual unique bonus rooms in it. It's not the same five bonus rooms recycled over and over. If you lose a bonus room, instead of kicking you back to the level and forcing you to kill yourself like the Retro Studios games do, they, you have an option to just try again, which is, I prefer the original trilogy route of they dump you back to the level and then you can just jump back in, I guess, but this just cuts out the load times, I suppose. Um, generally the, the bonus rooms can be really challenging. There's only two of them per stage. So it's not like, it's not a, um, orangutan gang situation where they're like five in one level and then one in another. It's, it stays consistent. The level gimmicks are generally pretty fun. The controls are tight and it's one of those games where it doesn't take forever to beat. Like a problem with a lot of recent side scrolling games is that it, it, I guess there's just some kind of fallacy floating around where it's like, if a game is longer, that makes it better, right? And that's kind of a thing with the Retro Studios D Donkey Kong games and Impossible Layer, I guess. Uh, whereas this game, I've 100%ed the whole thing in nine hours, which to me is perfect. Mm. Like, it, it didn't take 40 hours like re uh, Returns and Tropical Freeze did. Uh, which, are, which are games I've 100%ed exactly once, and then every other time I've tried to do it again, I just give up partway through because it's just too much. Um, and yeah, so it's not like the most amazing game I've ever played or anything, but I rate it highly in, as my game of the year because for me, it signifies that there is still hope that games like this with this kind of pacing and this sort of design Oh, another thing, if you miss a bonus room and have to go back to a level to get it, you can grab the other half of the gemstone you miss and leave the level <laughs> and it will save. Like, the Retro Studio games would make you finish the level again, which is stupid. Mm. And I've always hated that and complained about it because they got it right in 94, but they couldn't get it right in 2014. I don't know why it is that these recent side-scrolling games always have these design flaws that they just never ironed out because they were just content to do the same, make the same mistakes over and over again like the Mega Man franchise did. Or it's like, we have to keep having boss rushes because it's tradition. We have to keep making the player recomplete levels they've already finished to grab one bonus coin because it's tradition. Or I guess puzzle piece. You know, when it's just... Kaze makes me hopeful that more games like this can be made. Like, if I have any criticisms of Kaze, a lot of the ideas are just kind of recycled from Donkey Kong Country 2, especially. Like, there's a level where you climb on vines and avoid zinger mm. wannabes that's basically just topsail trouble again. Or I guess main brace mayhem a little bit. There's, there's a level that's literally called Toxic Lake where there's green liquid rising and you need to platform up a vertical platforming section before it hits you, which is basically just toxic tower. There's a level where carrots slide along because like the villains are sentient veg vegetables. The, the blot is a little weird. 
which is basically just Lemguin Lunge from DKC3. It's like I'm, I'm seeing all of these ideas. There's even some retro studio stuff in there. Like there's level with spinning gear platforms. It's kind of like foggy fumes. You know, so it's like ideas I've seen before. And that does hold the game back to some extent. Where it's like if they made a second one and really spread their wings in the design. And oh, uh, the game also has the, the titular wild masks are like the animal buddies. Where it's like, you, mm. you put on the mask, there's one that lets you fly, like squawks. There's one that lets you go underwater, uh, which is not really like on guard, but I guess roughly the equivalent. Like, for the most part, the game is really good at being its own thing. Like, in terms of the style, it's, it reminds me a lot of, like, Kung Fu Panda, in terms of the art style <laughs> and stuff, and kind of the overall plot, uh, where it's got some, like, well, I guess Asian culture sort of sprinkled in. Um, and it's like, I don't know, I just enjoyed it. <laughs> and I like that it didn't go on forever. So it's like, it's, I am much more likely to replay that Kaze again than I ever will the Retro Studios Donkey Kong games or uh, Ukulele and the Impossible Layer, which I still have not even finished. So if you like the D the original trilogy of DKC and you are alienated by the design of modern platformers like Crash 4, where everything has to take forever, pick up Kaze and the Wild Masks. It's only 20 bucks. It's on every console you own. So, like, it's on PC, it's on Switch, it's on PS4, I'm sure. Um, and you, I, I guarantee you will enjoy it if you're a fan of those games. Cool. All right. So... Yeah. Hey, uh, K A Z E, right? Kaze uh, yeah, Kaze. Oh, I've seen this before. Okay, because like you, you were talking about, I'm like this sounds familiar. Yeah, no, I've seen this floating around. Yeah, looks pretty good. <laughs> I'm watching a level that is basically like. Uh... Why, what's that level in DKC1 where you hit the barrels and the crumblings go to sleep? Oh, yeah. Uh, stop and go. Yeah, there's like these crab things. You hit a light and they stop moving. Yeah, the, the villains are supposed to be sentient vegetables, but they just gave up partway mm -hmm. through and started putting fruits in there. So those... Oh, this seems pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, it's... They're like a lot of games that also has like time trials and no damage relics, but it's like, like I said, I got everything in nine hours mm -hmm. and on a first yeah. try. So it's, it's one of those games where I, I'm not a huge fan of time trials because it does feel like repeated content for its own sake, but it's one of those things where like if, if it can have all the shit in it and I could still get it done in nine hours and still come away satisfied, then that's, that's a, a pretty marked improvement over a lot of the recent. 2D platformer kind of games where it's like they use DKC returns as their model. So, uh, Pixel Hive, I'm looking forward to whatever you do next. If you make a Kaze 2 and you like you improve on what you did here, like you could you could have something truly great. Yeah, keep it up, bro. And you already did a pretty good job the first time, so I'm looking forward to whatever's next. Well, All right, folks. I got nothing so, else. Yeah. Yeah, I think I played a lot more, but there's nothing that I can talk about that's like like I played like Lost Judgment and I played like which I also it's probably my top four, but I think the discussion's pretty much done. There's nothing I can talk about that anybody's even played anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. I and I've already talked about the stuff that I really cared about. So and some stuff that I didn't. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you all for joining us in this podcast, everyone. Uh, happy New Year. Yay. Uh, hopefully 2022 will be better. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that for me, um, in terms of games, it was really good for me. So if you're interested, I have a video probably coming out in a few days, maybe if I decide to make it, it's a bit up in the air, but I'll do an end of year video of all the games I played. There's like Monster Hunter Rise and Lost Judgment and fucked on other games that I didn't talk about here that I really liked. See, next so. year's already been shaping up to be a much, much more, maybe not, I wouldn't say better because you never really know, but it's at the very least, it's going to be a hell of a lot more interesting than 2021. 
Yeah. It, it does look interesting. I guess, I don't know, maybe I just... <laughs> I Maybe I'm just into a lot of stuff. I felt like well, I, there were a lot of games I played this year that I liked a lot. if you didn't play as much 14 this year. If you didn't rediscover well, that no, game. No, no, honestly, like, if I if 14 wasn't part of the year, there's still quite a bit that I was into, so I don't know. Alright, fair enough. Yeah, and this was a year where it's like... Like, there were, like, a number of games I was interested in, and... They just didn't do anything for like, you know, we could have talked a bit about Monster Hunter. Like I played that for a bit. I fell out of it. Not that it's bad. It's just I lost interest. Tales of Arise is it another seem- one. I was excited for it. It came out. Music's fucking baller, dude. Music is so fucking good in that game. But the characters to seem I mean, I, and I'm not very far and I'm probably about like 12 hours in. The characters are fucking boring as shit. The game's kind of I mean, the combat's good, but the game itself is kind of boring so far. Who knows? It might get better later. Which game is this? Tales of Arise. Oh, okay, yeah. It's like you compare the characters from, like, this game to the ones from, like, Berseria, where it's like you got, like, a lady with an arm, and she eats people with, like, this demon arm thing. You got, like, a a, a cursed pirate, and then you got, like, a a fucking undead swordsman guy, and then this got, like, I'm a guy, and I can't feel pain, and, oh, I'm a lady, and people can't touch me, otherwise... They get pricked with thorns. I'm a meathead, and I like to punch things. You know? Meh. <laughs> There's a lot of... It's just very disappointing this year. Yeah. Very disappointing. But next year's gonna be a hell... I mean, it, it, it's gonna be a lot more interesting next year. Better? Who knows? But, I mean, we're already getting, like, well, what, a fucking Pokemon is, game next year. What is coming year. out besides Breath of the Wild 2 that we know of? Uh, Pokemon Arceus is coming out in January. Uh... For people who liked the God of War game that came out on PS4, that's getting the sequel. Um, oh, yeah. Sonic Frontiers is, you know... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. People kept asking me in that in that Kaizo Seed stream when I thought of it, and I'm like, what is there to have thoughts on? We saw a trailer of some Unreal Engine 4 environments, and apparently there were frame drops in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, you know what's fun? Is that uh, Shining Force is coming back next year. On mobile, on the fucking phone. Mm. <laughs> Much like Mega Man X die. Ah! <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I got. Hopefully, say. it shapes up. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, I don't know when we'll have another podcast, but we had. I I don't know about you guys, but I had fun doing this. So yeah, it's it's never really been an yeah. issue of lack of want to do this it's just like with four of us it's Scheduling. hard to schedule yeah and then each of us are busy on our own time and then you know not some of there's just a lot going on so we we do want to do more of these it's just a matter of finding a time and a subject that works for all of us so mm-hmm. yeah anyways uh yeah thanks again for joining us uh we love you guys and we'll see you next year later Yeah. Please check out our YouTube channel for video versions of all our podcasts. This podcast was edited by yours truly, Exoparadigm Gamer. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.